0: Come
1: and dream with me. Hello and welcome to Body One Watch, the Explosion Network's Premier Media Podcast. Every week we get together to talk about movies, TV and online content, help you answer the question, when will actors stop disappointing us? Probably never. Also joining us, I'm your host Ashley Hobbley, joining me today, Dylan Blight. When will people stop disappointing us? Yeah. I know, right? There you go. Better question. I mean, the answer is also never. So, yeah, rough, rough weekend for Jonathan Majors fans, I think. So, uh, rough weekend for women. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> you know, both can be true. Uh, <laughs> on today's episode, we'll be discussing everything I watch history, talking about a little bit of film news. Discussing this week's top three and giving some thumbs to some trailers. Uh, let's kick things off. Big film this past week, John Wick 4, debuting in theaters. Uh, of course, the fourth entry in the John Wick franchise, Keanu Reeves, comes back as John Wick, this time trying to, I don't know. How, how would you describe the film, though?
0: He's trying to get his freedom.
1: He sure is. <laughs> uh, yeah, obviously a highly, highly praised as we were going into it. Uh, Dylan, what did you think of John Wick 4?
0: Uh fantastic. Love it. It's awesome. These movies are fantastic. This one's the I don't know. Might be the best. It's hard to say. I'd have to do like a full rewatch. You've it'll be interesting to hear your thoughts in a minute, because you did a you did a binge coming into four to catch up. <laughs> um, I've, i I would have to do a rewatch because yeah, I they're all really, really good movies in their own right. This one's just bowls to the wall. Let's make a nearly three hour action movie with just some really long action sequences but as someone who appreciates action sequences when they're actually done right and their fight choreography and all these sorts of things it's not just a bunch of quick edits to make it look like it's stuff happening when there's nothing happening um yeah this this is all this is all the sort of shit i really enjoy in action movies and uh the thing I, i i really enjoy how silly these movies have got yet how committed it is to its lore and they make it all believable like you're know, like how are these motherfuckers not dying it's like they're constantly like like holding up their their things because they've got their bulletproof so jackets, and, yeah. <laughs> like they, they commit like and they don't like it's all it's all there the throughout the whole franchise of as silly as it is it's also weirdly more realistic than a lot of action movies like john wick will constantly stop and pick up new uh, mags for guns and you know, like, it's all these little details amongst the silliness, but, yeah. I thought it was really, really um, really good. Also, Den- Donnie Yen's in it, so... I love Donnie Yen, so... There's a, a win.
1: Yeah, this one's... I'm going to say this one's my favourite one. <laughs> Just because I think the characters are the most interesting of the series so far. Like, obviously, Donnie Yen is amazing as a... Uh, assassin that is very unexpected, I guess. I don't know if... His character has been revealed too much in trailers, so don't necessarily give it away. Um, but yeah, beautifully shot. Like, obviously, there's sections in Japan and France and all this kind of stuff, so, like, visually really interesting. I think it, weirdly, one of the best action sequences in that, I don't know, that roundabout thing that you always always pops up in any yeah. action film that's set in France. Um, yeah, just a, a lot of, <laughs> over-the-top craziness. Um, I think you're right. I think obviously, from the, it's definitely heightened its over the topness. I think, uh, obviously binging through two, two and three, which I hadn't seen, um, the introduction of bulletproof vests or built bulletproof suits, uh, definitely, uh, raises the unbelievability of it a little bit. But also, they just, like you said, they commit to that idea, uh, and that theory. Um, even the ending of like three, where they're, is like there's these soldiers and they just can't be shot anywhere they've got full bulletproof stuff all over them um yeah that's obviously brought back yeah, and that kind of stuff. i think ned kelly i'm pretty much yeah um yeah i thought it was really great um <laughs> thought, like bill skarsgård obviously plays the main villain he's really great um very different to i guess his performance in it i'm guessing um it's very different <laughs>
0: What's
1: this name? Uh, the Marquis, Marquise, something like that. The Marquise, yeah. Um, yeah, very over the top. Um, yeah, just a lot of you get to see some other continentals, uh, other elements, lots of callbacks, um, and then Johnny Yang and Keanu Reeves battle it out a bunch of times, which is super enjoyable. Uh, lots of stairs. <laughs> They love people falling downstairs. In I mean, films. to be
0: fair, without going yeah. into spoilers, I do, I do think that last stair part is like, he, like that's that's a lot of like that's purposely done with uh, imagery. Yeah, it's to, a little bit trolling. Like, <laughs> it's, it's it's almost like a religious undertone or seven circles of hell or I don't know, like something. Yes, like this,
1: yeah. there's a lot to it, and yeah, it's a very satisfying film. Uh, even. It definitely leaves it an interesting place. With they have all this talk of, well, we're going to take a break and we're going to come back. Uh, Franchise has been for nearly 10
0: years or 10 years now, so
1: yeah. Well, it's this four film, so it's not surprising. Um, but yeah, I thought, I thought it was really fantastic. Uh, time kind of flew by, even though I was, I admit, I was very tired, I kind of didn't get many much sleep the night before, so I was like, kind of. <laughs> Struggling towards the end, uh,
0: but you can't fall asleep in this movie. <laughs> uh,
1: it's, it's, it's too, it's too no, no, you're forcing yourself to, st- you know. Um, yeah, really enjoyable. So yeah, John Wick Chapter Four. Check it out. I got more
0: shoutouts. Hiroki Senada yeah. versus Donnie Yen is yeah, a showdown between him and Donnie Yen. This, I don't think I've seen that at least. I don't know. I, that, that, I haven't seen that in the Western. First time. Um, at least. I don't know if there's... At least in the Western. Or uh, really good. And also, Rina Sawayama is... Um, she's really good in this. Yeah. Uh, but she did a song for the soundtrack that's really
1: good. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, all right. Uh, one of our favorite show, new shows, Shrinking, has the season finale. Of course, is the show starring Jason Siegel, who plays a psychiatrist who lost his wife and is dealing with the aftermath um while trying to raise his teenage daughter and also run still run trying to be a psychiatrist uh of course ably supported by uh harrison ford Jessica williams uh dylan what do you think of the finale of shrinking and the the season as a whole i guess
0: oh fantastic it's another absolute winner for apple tv the every episode was really great i've grown to think that this might be one of the best things Harrison Ford's ever done. I don't know, even though it's like um, such a weird role for him. It's something they tried to do in that news movie years ago, one with um, Rachel. Morning Glory. Morning Glory, but it didn't work in that because he just like, it's the same sort of thing, but I don't think it worked. Whereas this, it works. He's the the grumpy, curmudgeon dude, but he's actually like, lovable in this, is the, the thing.
1: Um, well, I think the key difference is in that he's just curmudgeon in this one. He's like, is, he's, he's thriving. He's reveling in his curmudgeonliness. Yeah. But, you know? but you
0: don't think of him. You never like think of his, him as an asshole. Like throughout the entire show, he's just like he's a lovable curmudgeon. You know.
1: Yeah. This is this is you know our kind of banter. Yeah. You know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of yeah. I think I think they've they've pulled off that Harrison Ford thing for this this compared to that. Um, yeah, the finale is really really good. I like where all oh, the, the characters end up. It's it sort of finishes up the main arc of the season, which I guess is his, like, dealing with the, the passing of his wife, which is how we come into the show and, like, why everything sort of happens. And it leaves it an interesting place where I'd be like, okay, given how the show ends, <laughs> interesting final 10 seconds to it. What's that going to lead to in the second season? So, yeah.
1: Yeah, I definitely, you know, really enjoyed it. I don't know if the last finale is the strongest of the season, um, but it's super enjoyable. Harrison Ford is, like, the... You know, he's is the standout. I would argue. You know, uh, even though the cast across the board, the cast is really fantastic, um, especially Ted McGinley, who plays the husband, the next door neighbor, uh, who you know just pops up to give fun one liners and <laughs> loving support, which isn't precipitated. Um, but yeah, Harrison Ford. I think you know, if he isn't at least Emmy nominated this year, I'd be shocked um yeah it's really fantastic and uh yeah definitely leaves it on a very interesting note for the next season uh with the boop at the end uh <laughs> how that plays and everything um yeah just a great show with lots of fantastic characters everybody's super likable and lovable um lots of fun banter and you know who would have expected that the term safety would be said so many times in a, a show like this? Um, yeah, I, re- I really loved it. It's probably my favorite new show so far this year. So, uh, Shrinking is on Apple TV. You need to be watching it. Uh, okay. Great lead into to Ted, this season of Ted Lasso as well. <laughs> uh, Dylan, one of your favorite shows of last year is back Yellow Jackets, season two, debuted. It's first episode
0: yeah so the and i was just reading before we started recording um two million or something like that was the premiere the the, the highest paramount's got for any show in 10 years or something like that so um wow. yeah their their green lighting of the the third season ahead of the premiere of the second has uh not proven to be a <laughs> bad decision i guess this this is definitely a big show for them uh really really good it's the thing I like most about the premiere is it doesn't actually do the big premiere feel. You know how most shows have that massive, like they always have to make the first episode feel like a premiere. Whereas it sounds like a bad thing, but it it's almost like this is just season one episode eleven. Like it just picks it picks it right back up. It doesn't do like some big ten minute lead in to treat it like a, a big, you know, new season. Um, of course, there's like a cliffhangerish thing at the end but that's every episode of the show basically um yeah i sort of like it it's just like hey here's where we are here's where we was up to let's go let's not spend a bunch of time messing around and whatever else uh and building up the hype you already know there's lots of unanswered questions we left you with them last season so let's just keep going um yeah i'm I'm the there was a the most interesting thing for this season that we sort of know coming is in is there's the we're getting two new adults uh two new the right wording two new no we're seeing two more of the survivors adult characters who weren't seen in the first season that's the what i'm trying to say um as well as a new character that's sort of going to be um played by um fucking what's frodo baggins (laughs)
1: elijah
0: elijah elijah wood's playing character this season uh you hear his voice in this episode but you don't actually see him yet but he's going to be playing off uh christina Reese. Uh, her character we know that so i'm gonna be interested to see how that all plays together but yeah the, the big stand from this episode is we got to see adult uh lottie in this which is she's she's like uh i'm trying to say so without spoilers she, she's basically in charge of a cult let's put it that way <laughs> I know that's, but she she's in charge of a cult as an adult and yeah what the, they're, they're up to some weird and interesting things so uh yeah very keen for more that's a very good uh episode great show came for it to be back. Awesome.
1: Uh, Well, one of my favorite shows came back. Succession, season four, the final season debuted uh, or premiered this week. Uh, Great show. Great, you know, continues to be what Succession is. Uh, A bunch of shit rich people having rich people problems. (laughs) Um, I guess, slight spoilers for the previous seasons, but obviously we kick off with uh, Logan Roy in the process of selling off Roast uh his company to uh, Alexander Skarsgård's character. Uh, meanwhile, the three kids who he are screwed over at the end of last season uh, are looking to start off their own project. Uh, but then one of uh, his fathers, their fathers' uh, rival uh, media companies, becomes uh, available to buy. So they're going head to head with their father to uh, purchase uh this other or acquire this major media conglomerate um yeah really funny lots of uh interesting moments um lots of progression of personal relationships um theme song is still it's like one of the best theme songs out there um so that's just a fun thing to hear again uh, and get you in the mood for the more succession um yeah, it's definitely leading to a very interesting point, but especially if this is going to be the final season where it's definitely was didn't I the three kids.
0: The it's it did, yeah. They've,
1: they've said it is the final season. Interestingly, they didn't confirm it was the final season to the cast and crew until they did the final table read. Uh, I think uh, the show, Jesse Armstrong, the creator's come out and says, I was really hoping the writer's room would be like, try to co- find a way to convince me to, to do more of the show, but. Uh, they all suck at their jobs, no. Uh, <laughs>
0: Sometimes you just gotta... You
1: Other know, than money, you know. You gotta end up um,
0: make the story good.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, make, you know, it definitely does make sense in the way it's leading up where it seems like it's going to be uh, the kids versus their father uh, and sort uh, running rival media companies, uh, especially leading into this... In the show, there's like a big election coming up um, that both sides will obviously be covering and that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, very interesting very exciting uh looking forward to more succession for the next nine weeks or so i think it's 10 episodes it's a hbo show there must be 10 episodes all right uh dylan you watched a documentary on stand called trafficked revealed or revealed trafficked i don't know uh
0: yeah one of those uh it's uh, another one of these ones with i cannot uh, fuck, I, hold on, I have to find nick mckenzie bit. That's it. Nick McKenzie. Um, it's another one where it's a, a collaboration, I guess, between him and I think he writes for The Australian? I don't know. So, uh, and then Stan and then 60 Minutes or wherever the hell he'd done the original like thing. So the other one I watched was the Nazi one that they put out a couple months back or yeah. end of last year around that sort of thing. Um, yeah, it's really good. It's uh it's, it's it's interesting. So it's like you've got the the news story he's originally done and the the write up and everything, but this is just imagine like a, a behind the scenes of you get to see like how all the evidence was gathered, like the full sort of thing. That's what makes this interesting to watch. Uh you've got, but this is focused on um, yeah, like trafficking into Australia and people sort of much like the Nazis thing. I guess it's this the the running theme of people like to think these these things don't happen in Australia or don't happen much or whatever else. But then, you know, he's sort of uncovering this mass organizations of people trafficking uh, women in from, uh, I think it was mainly Thailand or wherever uh, to, to, uh, I mean, be sex slaves, basically prostitutes, but like, they're, they're, like they're put under a, a lot of debt. Like, Hey, this is how much, we, like you cut you. So you're in debt over there. If you come over to Australia, I'll pay off your debt. You just got to um, work for me. Uh, but then when they get over here, they're like, oh, okay, cool. So now you, we're going to add the cost of the flights to your debt. We're going to, uh, we're going to charge you per week uh, to live here. We're going to charge you for food. So suddenly it's like they're, they're in this like never ending cycle of, of debt. So that there's no way to sort of escape um, and whatever else. Uh, and then they uncover, he uncovers this dude who like did a bunch of prison time in the UK for sex trafficking sex trafficking and then somehow he got into Australia and then very much like rings up the the police officer who was in charge of the investigation over there' was like well how'd this dude get to Australia like it would have got flagged and he's like I don't know, that's your guy's fault <laughs> so yeah so it's interesting
1: awesome uh, so I checked out a new Paramount uh, plus series or uh, slash comedy Central in America series Dig man. Uh, which is a new vent uh, series by Andy Samberg uh, and his uh, writing partner uh, Neil Campbell. Uh, so it's an animated show in which Andy Andy Samberg plays a washed-up archaeologist called Rip Digman, uh, who's trying to to uh, used to be a big deal in the world of archies. So archaeologists in this alternate universe are um, like big celebrities and like a big deal. Um, and he play. he, he, uh, got screwed over by his former assistant on his last big job, lost his wife, uh, and now is kind of forced to just be a teacher, uh, until an opportunity comes up to revitalize his career, uh, when a young woman decides to help him try and find, uh, compete to get this big, uh, archaeology job, uh, by finding a certain relic, uh, Yeah, it's super fun. Obviously, if if you've s if you saw Andy Sandberg doing his Nicolas Cage impression uh on Saturday Night Live, that's the voice he's going for here (laughs) this entire time. So it's a weird cross between, I guess, uh, Nicolas Cage and National Treasure and Indiana Jones, uh, but also like uh also poking fun at the concept of archaeologists and that kind of stuff. Uh like at the start of the episode he's trying to steal like this, you know, uh like Raiders of the Lost Ark, the, this little statue thing uh, that's meant to stop a volcano from exploding and then running out. Uh, and then they, they get stopped by the natives, which are a bunch of just locals who are like, uh, we don't think you should steal our stuff. You know, it holds significant uh, cultural relevance to us and that kind of stuff. Uh, but they get stopped by a boulder. So <laughs> we don't have to ever address that ever again in the TV series. Uh, yeah, just very fun and silly. I mean, it's, a you know, would you expect from this kind of a cartoon? Um, yeah, really enjoyable. Uh, I'm liking it so far. I'm excited to see what other directions they go in. Apparently, there's going to be a bunch of different guest stars, including Edgar Wright, um, Melissa Fumero, who played uh, Andy so uh, Santiago, and Brooklyn Nine Nine plays Andy Samberg's uh, deceased wife, um, who the I guess the story of the the season is. He wants to find the Holy Grail so he can bring his wife back from the dead. (laughs) Uh, Who he keeps in like a uh, uh, Dr. Freeze-esque freezer in uh, a hidden compartment behind his bathroom. So yeah. (laughs) Lost to tackle. So yeah, it's a fun uh, little animated show that you should check out on Paramount+. Plus. Dylan... You finally caught up in a couple extra so episodes of Poker Face. Did you enjoy the Okja <laughs> The what one? The, yes,
0: the o- I got to go. That was blowing my mind. If I, I If you weren't going to bring up, I was going to at least come and be like, look, I haven't finished the whole season yet, but I'm up to episode six now, I think. And the fact that an entire episode was about someone changing their mind <laughs> and their love of barbecue chicken simply because... A character says, Hey, you like animals? Is this movie Okja? I haven't watched it yet, but check it out. Surely it's good. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many parts of it that just blow my mind. A the fact that she has a DVD of this in her boot, and I'm like, I don't think that's been printed on D V D. That's I don't think that's a thing. But no, what it has is it's criterion <laughs>
1: criterion collection. So I don't think okay. it's very likely that she would have had it in her boot. No. Right. More likely Why, it was John's- a pirate copy. <laughs>
0: Ryan Johnson having the c- Criterion Collection copy, sure. Uh, this character, not so much. But yeah, the fact that this dude, the entire plot of this episode is about, and everything that happens is because of fucking Oxya, changing someone's <laughs> mind about animals and killing them for, for barbecue chicken. Barbecue pigs, Sa- yeah. Barbecue pigs, yeah. Well, I mean, he's making barbecue chicken, I guess, whatever. But um, yeah, good shit.
1: <laughs> it's very funny. Good bit. I enjoyed it. I'm glad that you finally got to watch it.
0: Yeah. I was I was like, are you fucking for real? <laughs> is this really the way? I, I
1: that- th- uh, yeah, I thought you'd get a kick out. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh all right. You also watched uh Return to Paradise.
0: Ah, uh, yeah, so I got sent this uh, as an imprint uh, release. This is really interesting, right? So they, this was in like a list of it. They're like, hey, like, here's a bunch of stuff. Like, you know, some, they send for these PLS or whatever. And I'm like, that's fucking, what is this movie? Because it pops up and it says it comes out late 90s. And I'm like, I know late, I feel like I know a lot of big late 90s movies. I see fucking Vince Vaughn, Anne Hash, Joaquin Phoenix on the DVD cover. What the fuck? Like how haven't I heard of this movie? Um David Conrad's in it as a main character. I look it up. Jada Pinkett Smith's in it. Vera Ferminga's first appearance in the movie. I'm like, what the fuck is this movie? So <laughs> I was like, yes, I need to know more about this. Uh really interesting behind the scenes to it and i I did watch the there's a new behind the scenes sort of feature that they made for this release that i watched after the movie um it never got a theatrical release in australia it bombed at the box office in america which probably is the reason it led to the bad (laughs) to no theatrical release here it reviewed decently at that time from like big critics but then you know other people didn't like it and stuff like that but i think it was a really good movie uh it's crazy, I know, like, it's just, like, you've got these big names, young Joaquin Phoenix, sort of young Vince Vaughn or whatever, but, you know, like, big names. So, uh, But the, the setup for the movie is it's uh, David Conrad's character and Vince Vaughn's character, they've sort of flown over to Malaysia and they meet uh, Joaquin Phoenix's character there, Lewis, and they sort of have this great time over there and they're, you know, they're, they're like, living a life and they think it's the best thing ever. And then they leave and then the movie goes two years later uh and two years later uh Vince Vaughn's characters sheriffs like working as a limo driver or whatever and he picks up someone which is Anne Hatch's character and she's like hey remember two years ago where you you left uh Lewis in Malaysia and he was gonna go help he's like a very hippie character working thinks character. He's like remember he was gonna he was gonna help the the apes and break him out and shit like that and he's left him and Vince Vaughn's like yeah like how's he going yeah I miss him like I hope everything's going well and she's like yeah well like a day or two after you left uh the cops showed up there and they found a bunch of drugs and he's been in prison since then um he's been in there for two years and they're like holy shit he's like holy shit that's terrible also in eight days he's gonna hang for for what he's done unless you either agree to come back and do six years is what the judges agreed or you and uh, David Conrad's character split and do three years each, and then Lewis will be allowed to live. So then the the, the rest of the movie's played out as this sort of back and forth between all of them. Uh, very morally interesting movie of, like, would you go back to save this guy's life uh, and do the three years in a Malaysian prison? Or would you just be like, nah, fuck him and, and let him hang? Um, yeah, so it's some dark subject matter i guess like it's not like a feel-good movie considering everything that's happened to it but some really really good performances you uh, know joaquin phoenix is always gives it um gives his always really really good vince Vaughn really good in this as well uh and hash is really really good it's got a bunch of really good performances so yeah i uh a yeah, hidden gem i'll put this under late 90s hidden gem
1: awesome uh, so I've watched the first two episodes of Up Here. Uh, so this is a, we talked about the trailer a few weeks ago. Uh, it's a romantic comedy slash musical, uh, about two, uh, a couple in New York City. Uh, you've got Lindsay who's, uh, moves to, uh, from Vermont to, uh, <laughs> New York City to become a writer after winning, uh, the Wheatley Prize, uh, short story competition. Uh, unfortunately, comes to the city. Finds out uh, it's a typo. It was the weekly store price. Uh, so she uprooted her life on a, a basis of a typo. Uh, meanwhile, you've got um, Miguel, uh, who is a uh, investment banker, who's uh, dealing with uh, who dealing with the aftermath of uh, being cheated on, uh, and then they both sort of uh, start this start this sort of relationship sort of thing. Um, but the big, I guess the big takeaway, the big selling differentiating point is they both have uh, like three voices in their head that uh, obviously pop up at different points. Um, Lindsay's uh, three voices are her mom and dad and uh, her childhood best friend, uh, who kind of ruined her life by telling everybody her uh, deepest sexual fantasy. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Miguel's got, in her, his head, the his mother, his who's passed away, uh, the guy who cheated on, who cheated with his girlfriend, uh, and also uh, <laughs> the teenage girl who was mean to him throughout high school. Uh, it's yeah, fucking confusing. It is very confusing, but also very like it makes more sense in context. Uh, yeah, I, it's very cute and adorable and like uh even though you know it gets very dark at times um uh and kind of mean i guess um very lots of words that uh don't work together uh normally uh i found it quite enjoyable so far so i'm keen to check out a few more episodes of songs nothing really standout-ish um although there is this big uh (laughs) song about uh you know uh scott porter plays the Voicing uh Miguel's head, who's like uh he's like a business suit guy and wants to try and get uh Miguel to be similar. Uh, He's got this whole song about being a tiger or being a shark or being a tiger shark. It's it's very amusing, uh, with very amusing choreography and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think they play with the idea of the voices and that kind of stuff quite well. Um, but yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. It's on Disney Plus. Uh, you should check it out. All right, let's move into the mandatory Netflix segment of the show. Uh, so I checked out the documentary series, Waco, American Apocalypse. Now, Dylan, do you know anything about the Waco uh, hostage standoff? Rings a bell. All right. So in 1993, there's a, a 51-day standoff between federal agents and a religious group, uh, headed by David. What is his name? Uh, David Kresh, uh, who's like a kind of like a cult leader. Um, so the government wants to go in because they believe they've been, uh, au- like altering machine guns, like to make them from sub, like sub automatic to automatic or something. It's like a it, it very gun culture kind of stuff. Well <laughs> pretty much they've got like a bunch of guns and they're like, We don't feel good about what you're doing here. Um so yeah, they uh they go to raid the compounds, massive compound that they're staying in. Uh unfortunately a member of their uh of the cults, I guess, finds out, uh, and then they proceed to uh have a massive gunfight uh and then proceed to have a massive 51-day standoff, um, in which, you know, at different points, they're like, oh, we'll come out. And other points, they're like, no, get fucked. Um, and it kind of explores, like, uh, it from kind of all sides. You've got people who were obviously... You've got the reporters who are on site, like, documenting as it was happening. Uh, you've got, like, people from the actual cults who are inside uh, giving their side of the story, um, including, like, kids who were obviously very young at the time. Uh, then you've got actual people on the law enforcement side uh, discussing like a lot of the fuck ups and that kind of stuff and how much, how really it comes down to uh, a lot of miscommunication and like one side of the, like the negotiation side of the law enforcement is like, oh, let's just take it nice and slow and slowly get people out. Uh, whereas the uh, hostage rescuing side wants to just go in and guns airing and take everybody out kind of thing. Um, yeah, I think it's an interesting watch. Um, yeah, and just to hearing some of like, uh, yeah, the the cult side is not great because this David Koresh guy like was doing some weird shit. Like, uh, he dissolved all the marriages in the compound and was like, "I'm taking all your wives to yourself." Uh, very much, you know, a lot of underage. That's
0: a, it's weirdly kind a normal of stuff. thing. It's always like, I oh, I am the the cult leader. I always There's always underage girls, and then there's always, like, I'll just marry, like... Oh, the men. weirdest <laughs> thing
1: is, they talk, they, they, like, one of the former members, uh who definitely still, I think, very much believes that he was the messiah, and is very much highly indoctrinated, is like, yeah, it wasn't underage, having sex with underage girls, because in our thought process, there were 12, there were adults by then. It's like, ugh... This is a woman as well. It's like, oh, this is so messed up. Um, yeah, and even like recounting, like she recounts like having a sexual, uh, night with David and like, I was like, he was, it wasn't just him spending the night with me. He was just, he was trying to convert me and teach me about God and shit. It's like fucking, fucking crazy. Um, but then on the other side, you've got all the, the government doing all the, fbi whatever doing a bunch of stupid shit like like as soon as they've uh as soon as they've rescued a bunch of people they're like drive over like one of their cars with like a a tank it's like what are you doing (laughs) why are you doing this stupid italianistic bullshit um yeah so obviously it, it does not end well for anybody so uh very overall very sad uh events that happened but yeah definitely uh a documentary worth checking out if you want a little bit of information about this piece of history also because uh interesting because i've seen they've got the they've got this waco miniseries that's uh, yeah,
0: uh that's why i remember that was on hbo years ago
1: yeah it's like I with uh, michael shannon movies. i want to say uh because they're doing a sequel series soon i saw a trailer a couple of weeks ago didn't he die uh, though no, the guy did, but like the other people involved, you know, because they, uh, that kicked off. The other dread line is that after the, the standoff, like the Oklahoma City bomber, like, was at, showed up at the the standoff, like, to watch and was like a supporter or whatever. Uh, and then like several years later, he bombed, he did the bombing like on the anniversary of, uh, the, the end of the standoff. So. Right. So, I guess it's tied into that somehow, or, like, other th- threads or whatever. But, yeah, I thought it was its quite interesting how this uh, is still running, I guess. <laughs> uh, oh, no, I'm the th-
0: I meant uh, the, uh, oh, fuck, that's what, the Farco 5. No, 4? No, 5. That dude was inspired by Waco.
1: Oh, okay. The religious dude. But... No, that makes sense. Now yeah, that yeah. I think about it. Yeah. That... yeah uh yeah all right that's all everything i watched history let's move into a little bit of film news
0: i got breaking news for you
1: oh breaking news
0: breaking news white Lotus season three thailand
1: Ooh, oh. dude is that surprising shocking
0: Not really he said he wanted to do it like
1: he wanted want a holiday it.
0: No, he once said like he said he was in an interview. Mike White was saying that like if the first two seasons about like exploring money and greed and stuff like that, he wanted to spawn more of a spiritual, religion sort of background to the to next season or something like that. So, um, yeah, no, cool. It's uh, and give, given that the both oh, both series are very beautifully shot and um, they're filmed in the they're filmed at the the places. Well, I guess maybe not all of them, but they're filmed primarily at the. location where they take place so um make for some pretty you know cinematography and that sort of stuff so yeah now the question
1: is who will be in it
0: the casting news uh so what should i say the thailand go. yeah uh
1: so interesting uh announcement uh paramount pictures has preemptively acquired a remake of the 1958 alfred hitchcock directed psychological thriller vertigo with robert Downey jr eyeing the james stewart role lead role the former police detective forced to retire after a line of duty trauma that leaves him with fear of heights and vertigo. The script will be written by Stephen Knight, the C and Peaky Blinders creator, who just signed on to write a Star Wars film. Uh, Paramount was the home for the original film, and the Hitchcock estate favoured the studio as a landing spot for this. The original was scripted by Alec Couple and Samuel A. Taylor from the uh, Boiler-Nagic novel, From Among the Dead. Uh, So, the reaction to this, not good, unsurprising, really. Um, Obviously, anything done by Hitchcock, I suspect, that you want to remake is not going to be very well received. Um, uh, Did Hitchcock do Psycho? Because Psycho yeah, was remade, did, right? Yes, Hitchcock did, 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 did Psycho. I need to cut that audio out. Did Hitchcock do Psycho? No, I was like 99% sure. Ah, uh, just like most <laughs> famous movie. <laughs> yes, I don't know. I yeah. think Vertigo is probably his most. No, famous, it's
0: so. Psycho. Okay. <laughs> it's the fucking shower scene. The but that was remade
1: right? by Gilles Sant, right?
0: Yeah, shot for shot. Shot for Come shot. On.
1: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Dylan. Have you watched Vertigo? <laughs> Do you
0: yeah, it's probably have- my second favorite. It'd be probably second favorite. Um, one of the greatest all-time posters, also for a movie, is another thing. So, um, yeah, no, I nothing against anyone involved. Happy to be proven wrong, but from a, an announcement side of, like, there's good people involved and everything, like Stephen Knight and, like, he's a good screenwriter and, you know, Rob Down Jr., a good actor. But the, yeah, prove me wrong, but as for now, I'll say I have no, I will probably never be excited or okay with this until if I watch it and be like, I was wrong, but until then, There's nothing wrong with watching the original. I watched it probably, like, last time, four or five years ago. I I know that's, like, a while ago, but, like, it was perfectly fine then. I'm sure it's perfectly fine now. It's still a good movie. Yeah, I'm good.
1: Yeah, this seems like a... (laughs) They're on a hard end nothing, really. Why would, you know, if it's good, they're like, oh, well, thank God. But I don't think it's, like, people are clamoring for a remake of uh, Vertigo, particularly. Um... Especially in the film genre, aren't they making a Vertigo video game? I think that's definitely something that sparked in my memory. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's such a weird one that uh, you know. I guess the question it kind of raises is what what film properties are definitely off off the table should not be remade.
0: I don't know it's. it's- I don't like putting that blanket thing over. It's just, it's less about the film and more about, like, it's just place in history, I guess, is, you know, what it comes down to, you know, like, you you just hear it when someone says we're going to, someone says is going to remake X, you're like, mm, don't know about that one, you know, <laughs> like, it's just, there's just yep. certain things, <laughs> just, you're just like, your brain goes, that seems unnecessary that seems like a waste of money and, like, and time and effort for, for no reason. <laughs> like, so, yeah. I
1: mean, yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. But uh, on the other hand, you know, we've had recent films like uh, West Side Story that's been redone that, uh, you know, holds its own, I guess. Uh, a, a Star is Born has been made, remade like that's not five, six times, though. So. Um, yeah. I guess it, it's difficult. Would you, when if it's they remake
0: Casablanca or Gone with the Winds, or um, sound I mean, amazing. how good would that
1: be? They're like less problematic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, there's just some movies where you're like, they're just, they're just, they're part of history. They're just,
1: they're there, they're done. But on the other hand, to play Des of Africa, does it diminish that film in any way that there's another version?
0: uh No, but I just feel like it's that thing of why. What I just like, like unless you've got a, unless, you you need a spit, you need a take. Like if the if the point of remaking it solely just because you think it's a good movie and you just want to re bring it back to new audiences, and you're not you're not actually offering anything new with it, like then I don't understand the point. Is is my main problem? You know, like if you're thinking about the psycho one, there was no point to that other than. Like I don't, I still don't understand the the point of that. So, unless unless you're changing something that updates it, that will enable the film to have a more modern uh critique on something or fit in like socially with, or like you know, like you you, like it's gonna have a new aspect to it. If you're just doing the same, like if you remake Gone with the Wind and it's still set in the fucking 30s, it's like, what's the point? Like, what what are you having to say about modern audiences and life if you like? You know, I'd rather them be like, I'm going to remake Gone with the Wind and set it in the fucking modern day, <laughs> like, which would so- probably upset some people. But I'd be like, at least then I can see you trying. <laughs> like, you know, that's my that's my thing. So,
1: yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I guess it, it's it's a very interesting one, and you know, I'm sure it's a again a conversation we'll have again uh, when they remake another film property that we all love <laughs> and feel like it doesn't need to be remade.
0: Can I shout out a random thing. I- Forgot the I was gonna tell you in it this morning, uh, but I forgot. But David Farrier posted this story this morning. Have you
1: seen this? No.
0: So he posted this story this morning on his um website, Webworm dot uh, co, uh, about uh Michael Organ and how, as of this morning, he's only allowed to finally write about how he like tried or took him to family court and accused him of like like he can't reveal everything in it like, like I guess like being violent to someone and it was like a whole court thing and he wasn't he hasn't been able to say anything about it even though this was all happening while he was trying to promote the film and all this other sort of shit so yeah I know because we talked about that movie on here um fuck's it called
1: Mr. Organ no,
0: Mr. Organ we're talking talk about Mr. Organ on here so yeah if you've if you watch that and you want to <laughs> Continue your the the story of Michael Organ and what the fuck's going on there?
1: It's still going, baby. <laughs> it's,
0: it's it's still a wild time. So yeah, I, I read that this morning when I woke up. I would highly suggest reading. No,
1: that's that's not surprising, especially considering that the the tickled story continued on after going, the film's yeah. premiere uh, and only really ended when the the dude died. So um.
0: and the, there's this fucking reporter, Sean Plunkett. He's, oh no, not reporter! News broadcaster in New, New Zealand who, like the article, also points out he's just—I don't know what he, why he's helping or so happy to, to to play ball with Michael Morgan, but like he's yeah, like there's something dodgy going on there. Or well, Morgan's playing him for like a fiddle. I I don't know, but yeah, watch that movie A because it's a good documentary. And watch Tickled as well. Very good movie. But then go read this article once you've watched Mr. Organ, because it's just a continuing story of what the fuck is going on here? All
1: right. Uh, so according to Bloomberg, Apple has approached other studios about partnering or releasing some of, for some, on releases for some of their films on this slate this year and into the future. And the company has internally pledged to put movies into thousands of theaters with a window of at least a month. Plans have not been finalized. Uh, Bloomberg suggests that Apple will make its own major investment to the tune of a billion dollars in original films. Uh, Of course, major theatrical uh, candidates for this year include Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, uh, Matthew Vaughan's uh, Argyle, and Ridley Scott's Napoleon. Previously, Amazon has been reporting to investing a billion dollars towards getting more of its movies into films and theatres, raising the profile of the film before they hit streaming. Dylan, are you a big supporter of this move? (laughs) Yes. It's a, a shocking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can tell the way you asked your question. Like, this is a redundant question. <laughs> <laughs> this is,
1: why did I even bring this up? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's promising and exciting that, you know, at least most of us will be able to see Martin Scorsese's next film in theaters.
0: Hmm. Uh,
1: especially when it's already been talked about, a potential best picture kind of quality uh, but yeah I guess another massive company uh, throwing its weight into theaters um, and I guess Apple like further pushing for Apple TV to become a big deal I think they're they're, they're currently potentially in the bidding war to get the rights to the Premier League at least in the UK um, and they've already done a bunch of sports streaming stuff uh, a lot of baseball and some football in America they stream on um Apple TV. I think you can even get like the MLS across the world uh, on Apple TV if you want.
0: When I I boot up my Apple TV, my actual device, and I scroll down for the TV app on my Apple TV, there is some sports listed there, but I don't pay any attention, obviously. That's good to know.
1: (laughs) Uh, But yeah, there's a. You know, very promising. And obviously, with Apple getting, making more movies, buying more movies, uh, them getting an actual theatric release will be pretty good. Am I expecting a film, films like Ghost of Spirit to show up in theaters? Maybe not. Uh, but they're bigger. At least the more expensive stuff you would expect to show up, uh, which would be good. Uh, update on the <laughs> Aristocrats live action film. Uh when they said everybody wants to be a cat, that apparently included the Academy Award and six-time Grammy winner, Questlove. In news reported by Deadline, Amir Questlove-Thompson is set to direct a live-action animation hybrid remake of The Aristocrats for The House of Mouse. The film is being compared to similar hybrid films like Sonic the Hedgehog and Space Jam A New Legacy, featuring live-action performers crossed with CGI. Uh, there's no word yet on whether or not this means the titular cats will look like CGI updates of the animated origins, or... Or be another semi-realistic, uncanny valley adventure similar to Disney's recent remake of The Lion King. Uh, Dylan, you're a big fan of Summer of Soul or The Revolution Could Not Be Televised. Do you think Questlove would make a good director of The Aristocrats?
0: I thought this came out a few years ago.
1: No, you're thinking of uh, Lady and the Tramp.
0: No, there was another one, right?
1: Nope. Not of The Aristocrats. Aristocats.
0: (laughs) Wasn't Taylor Swift in it?
1: No, that you're thinking of cats,
0: right? Okay.
1: See, and yeah. I suspect this is not going to be like that. Disappointingly.
0: Okay, <laughs> okay. I see. I, I understand. Okay, I had a little bit of confusion there. Uh, mm. Judy Dench, I thought was the uh, the aristocrat, um, at least the butthole cut. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I have no I have no care factor for this. No, Quest will have a good pick for this. Oh sure. Why not? It's, it's like he's a you know, he's got, I know, he's not a bad choice. <laughs> I, I have a, i have zero care factor for this though. As a, I'm, I'm kind of getting sick of the live action movies to be honest. Like, I'm, I'm sort of coming into, coming into Little Mermaid and thinking that looks and pretty Peter shit. Pan. And Wendy. And Peter Pan looking pretty shit. Um, they're just so, they're just like, how many of these live action ones are good? Like, one out of ten? Like, I'm like, what's the,
1: like, how many of you actually enjoyed?
0: I don't know. List them off for me. What's the, uh, remind me, okay. what do we got? Let,
1: let me, me uh... let me find a list. <laughs> <laughs> just... There would be Cinderella, <laughs> I'm guessing, I would don't be. Think I'll that watch was that. the first one. You find, find a James. list. Let me,
0: let me tell the audience a little something quickly. Uh, if you have children and you want to get them into Star Wars, there's a show coming out on, uh, on May the 4th called, uh, Something Jedi, Little Jedis, or something like that. Anyway, Star Wars YouTube channel put up a little uh, first look at that show this morning. It was very adorable. It's set during the High Republic era. Yoda's teaching some pad- uh, little youngling paddle how to, you know, use the Force and shit. It's good shit.
1: Check it out. I guess it depends on when do you will start. I'm guessing, you know,
0: 24- 24... Go from this, like, Cinderella's probably the first one, right? This yeah, Cinder- well, Cinderella
1: is the first one. This, that. this Wikipedia article includes Maleficent. Uh, that counts. That's a bit of a stretch. So, that do you like Maleficent? <laughs> no. No. Uh, the Jungle Book, 2016. Yes. That was good. Alice Through the Looking Glass. Didn't watch it. Beauty and the Beast. No. Christopher Robin. That's a bit of a stretch.
0: Uh, yes, I did like that. Dumbo. No. Aladdin. Uh no,
1: The Lion King. No, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. Didn't watch that. Lady and the Tramp. No, Mulan. Did I watch that? <laughs> I can
0: not remember.
1: <laughs> Next. <laughs> <laughs> that's, well, that that's not a good sign. It's definitely not good if you didn't watch. <laughs> uh, Cruella. Yes, like that. Uh, and Pinocchio.
0: No, and no, I'm not going to watch because it looks fucking trash. <laughs> like it, my, my my picks are, what, two, three I liked out of the whole list?
1: What, yeah, I think it was Christopher Jungle Book.
0: Robin, Jungle Book and uh, Cruella.
1: Yeah.
0: So, like three. The three I like are the ones that aren't. Uh, well, two
1: of them are like definitely not direct adaptations of yes. so uh, I think telling that's their a... own original stories. Yeah. And Jungle Book.
0: They got rid of the musical aspects. Okay, yeah. Not to say that was an improvement. I like the I like the songs, but at least it did something that wasn't a direct uh, the thing. I guess the Jungle Books Jungle Books. Anyone that's it's uh, that I enjoy. I, I I have a soft spot for that Jungle Book though. I loved that as a kid. So, but yeah, the other two the standouts are they're not doing direct remakes of the animated. They're using the property and spinning them off and doing something different in live action. So yeah, that's the that's the key factor there.
1: Well, don't worry, Dylan. They've got another 16 live action re- <laughs> remakes or add up sequels uh, in the works. Do you want to hear the list? So you got, no. uh, you've got, <laughs> Peter, you got Peter Pan and The Little Mermaid. We know those two are coming. Uh, you've got Snow White, directed by Mark Webb. Uh, Move Faster the Lion King, directed by Barry Jenkins. I think that's probably the most interesting one. Because, again, it, it's going to be a completely new story. Uh, uh, you've got Hercules by Guy Ritchie. You've got the un- you've got the Aladdin sequel, no director. Uh, Jungle Book sequel, uh, apparently being done by John Favreau, but we'll see about that. <laughs> uh, you've got Hunchback, which is being, uh, of course, the adaptation of the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Uh, you've got, uh, the Cruella sequel being directed by Craig Gillespie. You've got Tink, which is a Tinkerbell adaptation. Uh, the Sword in the Stone is getting an adaptation by Juan Carlos Fez and the dealer, Uh who did uh, 28 Weeks Later. <laughs> uh, Robin Hood by Carlos Lopez Estrada, who did...
0: Give up with Robin Hood. Fucking sick of him.
1: He directed Raya and The Last Dragon. Cool. That's cool. And blind spotting. <laughs> there's a weird joy. Uh, there's a Prince Anders movie from Aladdin. That's that's a weird project. Uh, there's a Bambi project in the works. Bang. Yeah. Uh, of course, then the Aristocrats and Lilo and Stitch, but I'm by Dean Fleischer-Camp. So... Yep, we're gonna be seeing a lot of these in the future.
0: <laughs> Fucking ecstatic.
1: Also, apparently uh someone someone is very keen on directing a uh Prince and the Frog adaptation. So So that might be the next project to added to the list. Uh alright. Yeah, that's kind of it for the film news for this week. Let's get into some thumbs for trailers. Of course, you can find all the trailers we we're about to talk about in the show notes below. First trailer for this week, Knights of the Zodiac, directed by Tomek Baginski, uh, starring Bakenyu, Femke Jansen, Madison Iceman, Diego Tonoko, uh, Mark DeCascos, Nick Stoll, and Sean Bean. When a goddess of war reincarnates in the body of a young girl, Street Offensea uh, discovers that he is destined to protect her and save the world, only if he can face his own past. And become a Knight of the Zodiac. <laughs> what would you think of the trailer for the Knights of the Zodiac? What's the... What's the
0: back... It's, what's the background of this? Is it a, just a manga? It says Google, it says manga. Was there an anime?
1: I assume yeah. there was an anime.
0: Right. I'm going double thumbs down. Um, that just looked like a... What used to be a straight-to-DVD release of something. Um... Uh yeah. Femme Fam- 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 Femme still acting, hey. Uh cool story. Yeah, double thumbs down, not for me.
1: I'm good. <laughs> uh I'll go one up, one down. I don't think it's that terrible, but um Yeah. It it definitely feels uh like a bit of a B movie. Um
0: sixty million it had it says. 60 yeah, I mean million.
1: It's it's a reasonably Big property, I guess, in Japan uh, based on the Saint Seiya uh, uh, and, uh, manga or Knights of the Zodiac, I guess. Um, yeah, big, uh, let's see. Saint Seiya manga has had over 50 million copies in circulation as of 2022. Make it one of the best-selling manga series ever. Uh, lots of animated series I've seen animated uh I believe Netflix recently had an animated uh, series air on it for several seasons. So, Um, yeah, I mean, it's a new property to us, but I'm sure to a lot of people it's a big deal. Uh, But, yeah, I think there's definitely interesting elements there. It's like uh, it seems like they're sticking true to what the actual manga is. It's just very weird with uh, a bunch of American actors, I guess. (laughs) Like, it's weird seeing Sean Bean in this. Um, talking about gods and Athena and this, uh, all this stuff. So, uh, yeah, so Knights of the Zodiac is coming to Japanese theaters April 28th, American theaters May 12th. No release date here in Australia. Next trailer, B, directed by Kevin Heffernan, uh, starring Kevin Heffernan, Steve Lemmy, Jay Chandrasekhar, Paul Soter, Eric Stolhansky, and Adrian Pilecki. Uh, a hapless hunchback yearns for love that finds himself in the middle of a deadly feud between the Pope and the King of France when they each order the misfit to kill the other. Dylan, are you a big Broken Lizard fan?
0: Um, I've watched their movies. I wouldn't say like I'm a big... like I'm not a diehard fan that can name them or anything, but yeah, I'm aware of who they are. Uh, I'll go double thumbs up. This looks like a, a good good time. Silly. reminds me of, yeah. So obviously this is sort of the old fashioned Monty Python-esque uh, group comedy group uh, film that you don't often see anymore. Obviously they're sort of the, the, the remaining, I, know, I can't think of anyone else that does these sorts of things still, but um, the, I mean, it used to be like Andy Sandberg and friends, I guess, to a degree, but uh, there was, yeah, lots of funny bits and jokes in it. It's very, uh, uh, I mean, it's very silly. So, (laughs) (laughs) uh, yeah, I'll I'll go double thumbs up. Uh,
1: Yeah, I think I'll go one up, one down. You know, it looks amusing. Uh, I don't know if it's my brand of humor. Uh, You know, it's definitely over the top, uh, ridiculous. Um, I did laugh several points, including the Pope talking about how difficult it would be for him having to deal with all these questions from this hunchback about why, why did God do this? And God, you know, it's too much to deal with. Um, yeah, solid uh, looking film. Definitely getting the Monty Python vibes. Like even, it definitely, like, kind of Life of Brian-esque, I guess, even though, you know, it's definitely not <laughs> about God. Oh, Jesus. Um, just, uh, yeah, those kind of vibes. So, yeah, it's definitely an interesting film uh, that we'll be checking out. When it launches on Disney+, Plus. April 20th next trailer you hurt my feelings directed by Nicole Hoffensina, starring Julia Louis-Dreyfus Tobias Menzies Michaela Watkins Arian Mahad Mahid uh, and Jeannie Berlin Uh, Beth struggles with the lack of self-confidence in a marriage with unsuccessful therapist John Don is affected by a betrayal before this they had a peaceful but uh, codependent relationship which makes their only child uncomfortable Beth's sister helps her cope with the pain, possibly because of her own struggles with husband Mark, who is just a struggling actor. Dylan, what did you think of the trailer for? You hurt my feelings.
0: Uh, yeah, I really liked it. I would go double thumbs up. It, was, it doesn't give away like, the full, you know, what the go is. It's sort of a dark comedy, I guess, or the off sort of dramatic comedy um, from the director of um, what's that one he did with uh, Mr. Soprano? Uh, enough said yes it was uh yeah and so yeah i think this is yeah i'll get double funds I'm, I'm keen to watch it i i kind of wish the trailer showed me what he said about the <laughs> the book it's just like it's fucking trash because <laughs> like, it's a, it has her walking up behind him and then like cutting right to her being like really upset and stuff like that but yeah
1: yeah, I thought it was a double thumbs up as well. Obviously, uh, you heard I've heard the buzz around this one since it debuted at Sundance. So, uh, to actually get a bit of a look at it is uh, very good. And like the, i uh, really in, like, I enjoyed the humor and the comedy, um, you know, and the very like matter-of-fact slice of life ofness of it. I guess um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus looks fantastic in this. Like, yeah, <laughs> her having to deal with. Uh, whatever she's having to deal with is going to be super enjoyable uh Tobias Mendez uh you know just him <laughs> having that therapy session and like oh go easy on him he's tired especially seeing uh in comparison to obviously watching shrinking recently and like oh is not any of his cu-? uh people telling him he looks like it um yeah i think it looks really fun uh it- yeah it would have been interesting to hear exactly what he says uh i don't think it's interesting. I don't think it was made clear that, you know, exactly what it was talking about. Like, It's a book. Yeah. I know it's, a, like, I've read elsewhere that it's a book, but I didn't exactly take that from the trailer, I don't think. No, I guess um, not. Yeah, so, um which I guess, you know, that's fine. I guess keep a little bit of a surprise, but then you could, when the, you might get the impression that it's, like, a bigger thing that he's talking about than just that, you know? It would mm. be more understandable why she would be so upset. Um, but yeah, I think it's really well cut together and obviously like highlighting like all the little lies that you tell your partners and that kind of stuff. And obviously the big punchline being like uh, the other, Michaela Watkins like telling her partner, oh, you're such a good actor, even though he's terrible. Um, yeah, so I'm definitely keen to check this out. This is coming to Australian Cinemas on the 15th of June. Next trailer, Love and Death, created by David Kelly, starring Elizabeth Olsen, Jesse Plemons, Patrick Fugit, Lily Rabe, Kirk Gilchrist, Elizabeth Marvel, Tom Pelfrey, Kristen Ritter. The series is based on the true story of Wiley, Texas housewife Candy Montgomery, who was accused of the brutal axe murder of her best friend Betty Gore in 1980. Dylan, what do you think of trailer for *Love and Death*?
0: Uh, Double thumbs up! Can't wait. It's a you know already. Let's just presume it's a HBO series. It's a mini series. It's going to get nominated for an Emmy. sort of thing uh but yeah it looks really interesting very tempted to look up the, the wikipedia article to find out what's happened what the true story is based solely on the trailer so you can like if that's my initial reaction i go well i must be interested in this story so
1: yeah
0: double double thumbs up can you watch this plus jesse poymers is in it so you know it's gonna be good
1: yeah definitely uh echoing those thoughts double thumbs up uh obviously this is the final trailer there's been like a bunch of other ones that like have almost been included in this segment but uh Cut for time. Uh, (laughs) um, But yeah, this looks fantastic, obviously. um, You know, definitely getting that 80s vibe from everything. And then, uh, yeah, just I guess the mystery will be, like, did she kill her or not? It's like, it's cut in such a way that it seems completely unrelated. And it's like, uh, but is it, you know, because they don't include any, like, interaction between them. And I'm sure there will be. Um, Yeah, it's definitely very interesting. Elizabeth Olsen, really glad to see her in something other than a Marvel movie uh, or Marvel project, even though, you know, she's very good in those, but uh, again, to stretch her stretch her acting chops in something uh, else. Uh, and of course, Jesse Plemons probably one of the best work in the moment. Uh, yeah, definitely a very exciting HBO series coming up. Uh, and we're not going to have to wait long because it is coming to binge here in Australia on the 27th of April. Last trailer for this week. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, once and always. Directed by Charlie Haskell, starring Walter Jones, David Yost, Steve Cardenas, Catherine Sutherland, Johnny Young, Bosch, Karen Ashley, uh, Charlie Kirsch, Richard Stephen Horwitz, and Barbara Goodson. The Rangers come face-to-face with a familiar threat from the past. In the midst of a global crisis, they are called on once again to be heroes the world needs. Uh, Dylan. What are your feelings on the Power Rangers?
0: Yeah, so that uh, I I definitely watched the Power Rangers as a kid, but I don't have any like nostalgia or like great love for the Power Rangers.
1: So, what do you think of this trailer?
0: Go one up, one down. So <laughs> it's yeah, no, it's definitely a trailer made for to to pull in those old school big fans and and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, cool. Like that's the, that's the dude, you know, like I I can recognize people's faces a bit, but like there's, I've got no, like, it's not, it's not pulling my nostalgia factor in a trailer. It's definitely going for that nostalgia factor, which I, I think is fine. The movies in this case, it's been made as a solely like project for them for the old school Rangers is not supposed to be like this passing of torch thing. You've got these other new series with different Rangers and stuff. This is the, this is just solely a movie for the old school fans, I guess, to a degree. So yeah, if it's for you, it's for you. If it's not for you, it's not for you. I feel like it's pretty cut and dry.
1: Yeah. I'll go one up one down as well. Like obviously I love the Power Rangers growing up and like, uh, especially those first few series. Um, it's definitely weird seeing, I guess, in particular, the Green Ranger costume being trotted out uh, in the wake of um, the great David Green, I want to say, off the top of my head. <laughs> no. Yeah, he passed away. Yeah, David Frank uh, passing away. Um, yeah, I, I think it looks fine hitting nostalgia elements. It's... The weirdest thing is, I guess, seeing them without the helmet, like, in the suits, but not with the helmets on. Because, obviously, yeah. uh, I don't think they actually had the suits when they shot the... Because, obviously, it's cut from Japanese... Uh, yeah. Whatever the shot genre. Yeah, Japanese show. show. Uh, yeah. So, that's a bit of a bit new, I guess. <laughs> uh, and, obviously, they're going through some sort of storyline. Uh, cool to see this weird mechanical reader Repulsor come back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a going, for to soldier vibes, and even like the there's like a room with like a big like palm trees painted on the wall. I feel like that's like a a set from the, the original series and that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah. I think I think it looks solid. I'll probably check it out when it releases on Netflix uh, on the nineteenth of April. Uh before we get into this week's top three, I just wanted to give an update on this year's Movie Fantasy League. So, of course, we're hitting the f- end of the first quarter. I thought I'd just give, like, a score update. Uh, so, of, <laughs> of Dylan's list of films, which you can find in uh, the show notes below, I'll link to the uh, article, five of his films have been released, uh, including two of his wild cards, uh, Knock on the Cabin and 65. Um. So Dylan is currently sitting at a score of sixty-one. Uh, his current highest-gaining uh, film, John Wick Chapter Four, which is ending him thirty-eight points, uh, including twenty-four critic points, um, is currently sitting fourth at the box office on for the worldwide for the year. Uh, suspect that to rise, uh, considering it's only been week, week one. So yeah. uh, that's not too bad. That's pretty. I, I think that's pretty good, and you've got a lot of heavy, heavy hitters still to come for the rest of the year. Uh, I've only got four movies released so far, but I'm sitting on a score of 66. Uh, but again, that probably will drop. Uh, the two big point getters are Ant Man: The Wasp, Mania, which uh, is sitting. I got 16 points from uh, because it is currently the number one film of the year, uh, and Creed Part th- Creed Three, which I got 29 points for. Uh, which is currently sitting second, I think. Yeah, I'll go through the top 10 of the year so far. Uh, And then my two wild cards that have come out so far are Dungeons and Dragons and Cocaine Bear. So pretty good. Uh, I will say Magic Mike, The Last Dance, did not perform very well for you. Uh, It's it's currently netting you minus four points. And that, again, will probably get lower because uh, it's currently sitting in the top uh, number 10 on the worldwide box office. So. Uh, not a good return. <laughs> on top of uh, 65, which w- if it was one of your normal films, would net you minus 12 points. It's it's sitting at a point 4.6 rating on, uh 4.8 on. Uh, Did you grab Shazam? No, I didn't. So yeah. I lucked out.
0: <laughs> like, yeah. We yeah. talked
1: about oh Shazam should be included in the list. Thank God. Uh, so yeah, that's interesting. So currently the world, top ten worldwide box office films. Number ten. Magic Mike's Last Dance. Do you want to guess what number nine is? I have no idea. It's at uh, $61 million, Titanic 25th year anniversary edition. Yeah, that makes sense. Number eight is Cocaine Bear. Number seven, Chibi the Fluffy Friend. So that's made $90 million, is a film that's only been released in Russia. <laughs> They, no other films are getting released in Russia, so it's the only movie they could go see.
0: I mean, if that's the, if that that could be the legit reason, and that would make sense. Yeah. It would.
1: <laughs> uh, number six is Shazam: Fury of the Gods with one hundred one million dollars so far. Number five, Patan, uh, the in, Indian action film, which is, I've heard a lot of good things about, uh, sitting one hundred twelve million dollars. John Wick Chapter Four at number four with one hundred thirty seven million dollars. Scream Six. Uh, at number 3 with $139 million Creed 3 at number 2 with $246 million and Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania at number 1 $469 million oh, that movie definitely it bombed uh, <laughs> so yeah I guess we'll uh, we'll do an update at the end of June so uh, look forward to that alright let's move into this week's top 3 definitely in the top 3 uh, so, in honor of John Wick, uh, I thought we'd uh, let everybody know our top three current action stars. Um, yeah, I guess whatever kind of criteria you want to use, like like critically best or box office best, or uh, yeah, whatever th- thought process. Uh, so, Dylan, what's your number three?
0: Uh, my number three is Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Hey, you may have seen him in some movies called John Wick. You may have seen him in a bunch of other movies, not called John Wick, where he looks the same as the John Wick character. Sometimes he has a samurai sword and stuff like that, but primarily John Wick, uh, and making him definitely one of the biggest action stars at the moment. All right. My criteria is what I deem a good action star.
1: <laughs> what's that criteria?
0: I don't know. You you struck that from my my picks. <laughs>
1: All right. uh my number 3 donnie yen i think yeah you know, any film he shows up in is like uh a highlight of of course he appeared recently in john wick chapter 4 uh he was fantastic. he was one of the highlights of mulan uh definitely again one of the highlights of rogue one and then of course all the action work he's done in uh more asian films um yeah i think he you know he set himself as one of the top action stars uh, in the world, um, even at his age. So, yeah. Donnie Yen, number three. Dylan, wants your number two?
0: Number two, Donnie Yen. Uh, Donnie Yen is... So, like a lot of people, I only like, I like, really heard about him and started watching his stuff with Ip Man. Uh, that's where I guess I think most people, like Western Witnesses has probably seen his stuff. There's four of those movies now, but yeah, he's... Uh, between either his the more Asian influence stuff like recently is uh he was in a bunch of like Wukong movies and stuff like that that I haven't watched. But um through to the fact that he's in a bunch of big Hollywood franchises over recent years from Star Wars to now John Wick and whatever else. Like yeah, he's he's proven that he in any movie he's in, he's gonna be a standout. And over the years he's consistently shown to be one of the get the best martial artists on screen but i think it's he's got the best of both worlds he's got like so the x the x factor where he's he's really he's got like really good martial arts and he's really good stunt coordinator and he's really good like um choreographer and everything like that because he's lightning fast like he's got that sort of x factor to that makes him good but he's also really got he's got a lot of charisma that makes him stand out when he's in movies uh be that speaking English, Mandarin, whatever. Like, I, I think he speaks, like, three, four different languages or whatever. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely think he's an
1: X-Factor sort of action star. My number two... Counter Reefs. <laughs> I think... <laughs> John Wick, probably the premier action franchise at the moment. Uh, he's the face of it. Uh, then you include, you know, The Matrix Revolutions, which he done recently. Uh, yeah, I can't think of any... Well, I can think of only one more <laughs> uh, higher-rated action star at the moment. So, uh, yeah, Keanu Reeves—crazy uh, considering um, you know the longevity of his career. Um, I guess John Wick helping him to have a bit of a resurgence. So, uh, yeah, that's my number two. Dylan, what is your number one? Who was your number one action star? Do
0: you want to do three, two, one, and say him at the same time? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Ready? Three, two one tom, tom cruise, cruise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh so obviously tom cruise number one action star at the moment he's the, i feel like this is a no-brainer like wrote the list you know one downward sort of yeah. sort of thing tom cruise is in the biggest uh was in last year's biggest movie uh he's in some of the biggest action franchises coming out of america he makes any movie he's in uh, he wants it to be a success he wants to he wants it to be massive he wants it he wants the stunts to be like these m- these huge spectacles that you see on the big screen like any franchise he jumps aboard from jack ryan to mission impossible to now returning to top gun he 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 goes out of his way as... Because he's always a producer on all these things recently as well. So, you know, he goes out of his way to make sure he's at his best, uh, everyone else is at the best, and he wants these to be things that people watch on the cinema and they're, they're truly wowed by as, as action films and as an action star. So, yeah, Tom Cruise number one for sure.
1: Yeah, like you said, I think, you know, he's dedicated to making the best possible action movies he can. Um, you know, the whole running thing has <laughs> obviously become a bit of a meme, but um there's no doubt that uh the best action movies the last decade if all most of them have starred Tom Cruise. Um yeah, there's no getting around it. <laughs> I mean, it'd be nice for him to see something where he's not running or almost blowing himself off or almost killing himself, but uh guess doesn't float his boat anymore. <laughs> um interesting all these actors, <laughs> action stars, uh well in their 60s. They're all born in the 1960s, so uh, crazy.
0: These young ones.
1: Yeah, I guess. They got nothing yeah. in them. I mean, who would you be your four and five, do you think?
0: Uh, fuck. Four and five. Four and five. I mean, it
1: would be arguably the likes of Vin Diesel, The Rock. And then I also threw in. Kuroki Senada, who's had a fantastic like couple of years, uh, but even there, you know, you know, not spring chickens, you know.
0: <laughs> That's a very hard question. I don't know. I can't answer that. I didn't. I didn't think
1: you I didn't, didn't prepare, so... Okay, I won't no, put. I won't put you on don't, the spot too much. Don't don't put that on. Me. Don't put you on the spot. Hey, Dylan, this week, what do you want to watch? Scott Adkins, maybe number four. <laughs> That's true. You know, I've heard Accident Man is fantastic, so. So, I know that's not like big, but like all these movies are, uh,
0: like all, his, his action movies are top notch. So, I don't know, they're not like big on the cinema or anything. All right, uh, what do I want to watch? Uh, fucking, I did so well last week and I remember this was a segment now I forgot. Hold on, let me open the calendar. God damn it. Uh, this week, what is in cinema? Uh, what do we got? We got profane stable at Ryland. Oh, all right, so this week, I would like to watch Tetris. I would like to watch the Apple TV film Tetris, which has had some, I guess, mixed reviews. I've seen people say it's like really good. I've seen some people say it's really bad. Whatever. Cool story. I'm in to watch it either way. Um, and then as far as what I'm looking forward to on the TV side, I'm going to go Marvel's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur coming to Disney Plus, the animated series. i really like the look of that for a while. I know it's like a kid's thing, but I at least want to check out an episode. I like the, the animation style.
1: Uh, yeah, I'd also say... Um... Tetris, I think it's definitely the most interesting, at least to us, movie uh, that's releasing this week. Uh, I guess if I had to pick something on the TV front, it would be uh, The Big Door Prize releasing Wednesday, or today at release of the episode, uh, just to see what it is, you know? It's such a mysterious kind of series, Um, but yeah, obviously Apple TV producing a lot of quality stuff at the moment, so I'm sure it's good hopefully <laughs> all right you want to let us know what you want to watch this week uh let us know by going to explosion.com slash twitter or jump to discord at explosion.com slash discord if you want to help us out here at what do you want to watch leave us a review on apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. leave five stars anywhere you can leave five stars or just tell people about the show and if you've enjoyed this episode and thought it was worth it, dollar head on over to our cover page at explosion.com slash supports. thank you very much for listening until next time keep watching stuff i guess also, I'm a big North by Northwest fan, so that's why that you yeah, I didn't think it like it a psycho was Hitchcock.
0: I just realized after I said it, without like sounding as silly as this is, but Scott Adkins was in fucking John Wick Four, and really, after I said it, yeah, he's the the he's in a fat He's the, he's the... Oh, he's the the gambling dude? Yeah, that's... If you ever wondered, like, how that dude's <laughs> fighting and everything, like, it's it's Scott Atkins you know, in a, a fat suit. <laughs> okay. So, wow. yeah, but after I said that, I was like, fuck, I've known someone else in John Wick. free out of my four picks in John Wick <laughs> 4. <laughs> it's on the brain. <laughs>